want to uh, thank Shane for the really great job he did last week. He uh, kicked off our series in Philippians. Our new series is called Shine. And he kicked it off uh, with a coaching analogy, which I thought was really appropriate. We'll stay on that, that theme today. And that, that Paul here is writing this letter, and he's coaching us up. That a team pulls in one direction in the same direction, and it's unified around certain things. And uh, uh, we're coaches under a head coach, and we're singularly under one head coach. Successful players and winning teams follow one plan that makes us shine. And so I'd like to give you the core central verse of this letter that Paul writes to this church in Philippi. And, and that's how we have this message series called Shine. And he said it this way in Philippians 2, 14 to 15. The central core message in here is that do everything without grumbling, in other words, without pushing against each other, and, or, without, or with arguing. Don't, don't argue with one another. We need to be unified here. That you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like the stars in the sky. It says, you want to know what makes God's people shine? It's this. That you will be united. And if you do, you will shine like the stars. And so the goal of the church, capital C, is not to blend in, but to stand out. We're not to blend in, but to stand out. But not to stand out as weird. Not to stand out as on the issue side, not to take issues and sides of the world, but to stand out in unity. That's what will separate us. So uh, last week, uh, Shane set us up, and he started out that we are to shine in the midst of suffering. And he listed a few things, that we shine in the fact that we have one identity. We are all citizens of heaven if we are his. We, we shine in the fact that we, so we worship one master in one spirit, indwelled with one Holy Spirit, and that we are moving together in one mission. And that mission he wrote, read out of Matthew 28 is very clear, that, that our, our mission is to be about facilitating the introduction of as many people as possible into the house of God, bringing them into relationship with God. And then when they're in, to raise them up to spiritual maturity, bring them in, and to raise up. All of us, our goal is to be raised up to be in Christ-likeness. And then to go back out into the world and bring them in and raise them up and then to send them out so that they will bring them in and raise them up and so that they will send them out. You get the picture. And so that's, that's the unifying mission of the church. Now, Back in the day, Paul, as he's writing this letter, I'm going to go back to verse 1 in chapter 1 of Philippians, just to give an idea that this unity of identity. So Paul, right away, is saying that um, I am, it's just making it very clear who I am, what our identity is. And he says, says these amazing words, just a few words. It's easy just to pass by them. We talked about them 
before here. We've done series on this. And he sets up a new identity. And this identity is going to decide who he serves, how he behaves, who he obeys, direction that he goes in his life. And so I want us to see it. So he starts off this letter, and it may seem like just, well, he started off a bunch of letters like this. And he starts it off, he said, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus. Paul and Timothy, servants, big deal. Okay, it's a nice word to say, except the word in the Greek, servants, is doulos, which is a bond servant, or you might call it a slave, somebody who voluntarily, forever, enslaves themselves to somebody else and puts themselves under a master. It's not a volunteer. It's a person that makes a covenant that's permanent and says, I am a doulos. We are doulos of Christ. Now, when you, don't have a, when you don't have a doulos mindset, and that's the theme this morning, that we are united in a single mind, a single way of thought, it creates problems. I've shared this before. I'm sure that Joseph Sohn uh, was a person who was persecuted, pastor from Romania. And he suffered great persecution at the hands of the communists who tried to exterminate uh, Christianity from the region. Um, but he stood his, his ground, and, in, and he was courageous, and he stood firm. He made his, after that period of time in Romania, he made his way to the United States. And, of course, churches started to invite him to speak. And he would go to church to church, and he would say, this is how I want to be introduced, because they usually ask you, how do you want to be introduced? He says, introduce me like this. And, and they would go to introduce him. And he had asked them to introduce him as Joseph Sohn, a slave of Christ. And they would consistently say, and I would like to present to you Joseph Sohn from Romania, a servant of Christ. And then he would think, why do they do that? I told them I'm not a, I'm not a servant. I'm not a diacono. I am a doulo. And so that's how I want to be introduced. And by the, he got tired of this, and he finally got fed up. And, and by the time I get, he got to the third or fourth introduction in his time in America, he, he, before they introduced him, he went up to the guy and said, listen, I wrote it out for you. This is how I want to be introduced. Joseph Sohn, a slave of Christ, not a servant. He later explained that a, a, a servant is merely a volunteer who decides when they will take up their life and when they will lay it down. It's, it's their choice. And he knows he's, he's paid the price. He's got the bruises and the torture scars to prove it, that he was a doulos, not a volunteer. And so with that same spirit, Paul starts out this unity and mindset. It's interesting. I don't have it here. But in the next verse over, Paul addresses the church in their new identity. And believe me, they're just like us. They've got a lot of imperfections and a lot of flaws. And, and he calls them you, to the holy ones, to the holy ones. He called them holy. Now, if somebody went to you and me and said, to my holy ones, you're thinking, oh, they definitely don't know me, right? Yeah, they don't know. Yeah, but, but he did. He was speaking from God's perspective of your position in him, not of your current condition. You, you have an identity. 
And so we want to protect that identity. Now, when you get identity and mission and master confused, a lot of bad things happen. You guys ever see, I don't, I don't know, remember the name of the show. It's one of those places where a celebrity chef comes in and over, does a, uh, an overtakes your kitchen and fixes it up. Kitchen Nightmares, I think it's called. And, and so you, you go in. I remember watching one episode in particular, and they all have the same theme. The place is a total mess. They got bad reviews. Uh, bad service, and they go undercover, and they film the kitchen, and they come in as disguised as secret diners, and they go into this, this restaurant, and the food is horrible, and the service is bad, and they're overhearing through microphones and hidden microphones how the, how the demoralization of the staff, and there's no leadership in the kitchen. Things are a mess. The, the chef is not giving clear-out orders. The food has been in the freezer or sitting out way too long, and no, there's just no, nothing. There's no head here, and there's no clear mission. Everything's a fall. And the, the fog is causing this clog in the restaurant. And, it, and it's dangerous and it's toxic. And so Celebrity Chef will bring in the crew and, and starts, and he starts always with one thing, having a clear mission. We, we, we just don't serve food here. We serve great food. And we don't just serve great food. We, we serve it up safely from a clean kitchen. We don't just serve up great food and serve it up safely. We, we, we deliver it to the table hot in a reasonable amount of time. That's the mission. It's, it's all laid out for you. That's our mission. You guys got that? Okay, let's go. Right? Sit there. Do it. Get it. And, and then the people are all confused because they don't know their roles. Like, well, wait a minute. Every time I try and, and, and do this, my role, then then I don't get any support from the GM. And, and so I'm just a mess, and the back of the house is a mess, and because of that, the front of the house is a mess, and everyone's demoralized. And so what they need to do is that everybody needs to be united in their role. They need to know their lane. You, you're, listen, you, you stop ordering the kitchen. You expedite. And, and you, back there, you, you make sure that when that ticket goes in, that you're making it clear who's got to do what. That, that's got to be shot. We need to hear you, Right? General celebrity chef, there's expletives and beeps and all that kind of stuff, so we don't do that in the church. But it, but it comes together, and all of a sudden you, you get to the, the final where they've got one purpose, and, and there's only one head, one leader in the group, and everybody's following the same plan, and all of a sudden morale changes completely, and people are excited to come to work because, man, it's hard work, and, and, and it's hot. And it's draining, but we're doing something that people appreciate. And we're, the restaurant is shining. And look, our, our, our reviews have gone to two stars and one star. You know, we're getting four-star, five-star reviews. It's, it's just fantastic. And all of a sudden, there's this reinvigoration. It's like that with the church. Like if you're not under the unified under one head, we're not walking in the same spirit. If we're not operating with the same mission and purpose. It gets foggy and dis disordered and disorganized. And all of a sudden, you have arguing and battling and because we're not all walking with the same thinking and the same mindsets. It's the way it is. He said, Paul writes this, and he goes on. Uh, 
This is important. Shane shared it last week about when you know your identity and when you know your purpose and when you know your why you're here on this earth. And that is crystal clear in your mind. When the moment you get up in the morning, you go to bed at night, you know why you exist. That that changes everything. Shane said so well last week. It, it helps you to endure, endure hardship and suffering because you're on the same mission. And he, he says this too. Paul goes in. He says, I, he says, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. What, what happened to him? Well, he was beaten. He was jailed. Some, some fraudsters wanted to create problems for him in the local church there. And so they pretended to be followers, and they weren't just to stir up trouble. And, and, and because of that, there, there was, he's being persecuted. And, he's, and he says, like, for us, it would be trauma. But Paul is saying, it's not trauma. I, I rejoice because Christ is being preached uh, what did he have in mind? His mindset was that the mission was the most important thing. And if the mission is being accomplished and it's causing me problems, I rejoice. Kind of like, I, I don't understand why any football player would ever want to be a running back. I just miss the That's the guy, if you don't know football, that when the, when the quarterback takes the ball, they hand it to this guy. About average running back, I think, like 200 to 220 pounds, Right? And just imagine, this is your job. Like I said, you're going to play football. Listen, um, this is, do you want this job? Because what happens, your job is you're going to take the ball, and you're going to run it as far as you can. And there are those guys on the other side called defensive linemen that the average weight minimum is 290, 6'2", 6'4". Their job is to crush you. And once they beat you to the ground, hoping to hurt you, they will pile on top of you. And the guy says, yeah, I want that, I want that position. Like, are you crazy? Who wants that? But the guy, the guy and you'll see running backs all day long, they get the ball, they advance it, get, get a first down. That's their goal, first down, position it to, to, to goal. Let's, let's get there. And if they can find a hole of escape, they'll, they'll run it in. But they'll, they'll, they'll advance five yards and get a first down. And, and they've got these 300-plus pounders all on top of them, crushing them. And they get up. And they are like, whoa. Their teammates tapping helmets, give them the backside tap. Great job. You know, chest bumping. You just got pummeled. And you're happy. Why? Because he advanced the team. It wasn't just his. By the way, running backs, most of them have contracts that, that pay them bonuses and rewards for so many yards in a season. So he's, this guy is like, he's stoked. He's bruised. He's hurt. But he said, I, I, we, we have just gotten closer to a win. And that's the same way Paul is thinking. Paul and Silas are like our two running backs. These are, these are two, two guys who first went to Philippi, if you don't know the story. Acts 16 tells you this. They go to Philippi. And while they're there, they meet this slave woman who's a fortune teller. And she's being, excuse my expression, she's being pimped out by a couple guys making a lot of money off of her gifting. 
they encounter her and they realize that she's being indwelled by demonic presence that's causing her to be gifted this way and they cast it out. And so these guys are making a lot of money and all of a sudden they're not making money on her and she's a changed person. And they're ticked off. And so because they did that, they, they come around and they, and they have them arrested and they have them beaten. And then God comes along and says, you guys ran the play fantastic. Good job. You did that. And, and they're beaten and they're, God sets them free, sends an earthquake, opens the jail cells. The, the Roman jailer and his whole family now are leaving in him as a result of his power displayed. But that's the mindset. The mindset is that I, 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 have, I have advanced the kingdom. Because the kingdom is being advanced, I rejoice even in my suffering. This way of thinking is so contrary to ours, isn't it? It's so contrary to the natural mind. Paul coached them up that way. And because unity around this, having a common thinking with a common mission under a common head and a common identity, because it's, when that all that comes together, Jesus said it's attractive. That's why unity is so, so important in the church because it's so attractive. And because it's attractive, Jesus calls us to be, to live united. And he says it this way in Philippians 1.12, he says, I I and them and you and me, so that they may be brought to complete unity, right? They may be brought to complete Then the world, then, then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. In other words, when we're living united, common mind, common purpose, common master, when we do that and we shine, he says, then those in the darkness in the world will know Jesus, that they will see a reflection. It's good. I mean, you may look at that and say, well, it's, that's crazy. It doesn't sound right. But I, I will tell you, it's absolutely the case. Because biblical unity produces fearlessness in opposition. Shane shared that last week. A resolve that endures hardship it causes obedience to the master and the mission and support for one another. That's what unity does when it's under all those four things. It promotes that. And because it's attractive, we're asked to do it. Um, most of the world, I've shared this before, has been amazed by Ukraine, haven't we? And what amazes us about them? That they stood. And... and they stood in courageously. Now, I'm sure that they're in fear. I'm sure when they said, all men up to 60 years old, you're going to fight, take up arms. I'm sure not everyone was excited about that. There were those thinking, like, is this really worth it? It would be very difficult if you're the wife and you've got children at home to say goodbye to your man. Imagine that for a moment. He's going off, and you, there's a good chance you will never see him again. But they did it. But why? That's the unifier here that applies to the church. Because they had a common mission, if I can use an old expression, better, better dead than red. 
They are going to stand firm. They have been under the darkness of totalitarianism and dictatorship. They have lived that life before. They no longer want to be part of that world. They've got a new world that they want to live in, and they're enjoying that, so they're going to fight for what they've got, even to the point of death. And the world looks at that, and what? The world is amazed. And countries are rallying around, and people are rallying around, and we've got all kinds of funds, and people are applauding and cheering them on and showing support and opening up their homes and bringing in Ukrainian refugees. Why? Because the unity that they're displaying is so compelling. Imagine that if this church, that our unity was that compelling, that we all were pulling in one direction all under the same mission, loyal to one master, not this double-minded master that we have here. It's very hard, and, you know, when Paul wrote this to Philippi, just give you a little background here. Shane did a really good job at giving context to this. I want to add something to it. That this, this church in, in Philippi, they were very proud to be part of the Roman Empire. It was just in 42 B.C. There was a great battle. Rome had won. They had become a colony, and they were part of this magnificent group. And to be a Roman citizen came with privileges. They, they so much loved it that they changed their language to Latin, that they would all speak Latin like the Romans. And so there was a pride in being of Rome. And then Paul comes along and writes this letter to them and says, um, you are now citizens of heaven. I Wow, I, I really like being a citizen of Rome. Comes with a lot of immediate privileges. And, and now you're telling me to change my thinking that you're, not that you're disloyal to Rome or to authority. We obey the authority, but uh, it has always been, been over here and I, and I like it. And now you're asking me to put loyalty over there. That's a battle we face today. It's okay to be patriotic, to love country, to love family to love your systems, but there is only one master that we unify under, and what he says is over all the rest of that. So Paul gives this prescription for unity. He says, okay, I'm going to tell you how to do it. He said, therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, this is Philippians 2, verses 1 and 2. He says, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, you can, can you hear that? It's like your, your daddy coming to you and just saying, listen, if, if I've been good to you at all, I have shown you love and affection. I have been merciful to you beyond comprehension. If you have any love, any compassion whatsoever, if you are with me, he says, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, thinking like this, minding your thoughts to be in line with God's thoughts, being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. We need to all be thinking on the same line here. We need the kitchens out of order maybe, in front of the house is falling apart as is, and morale is low, but we just got to come together, and we got to come under one purpose and one mission if we're going to shine. And so he gives the prescription. He writes it out. And it's like Paul's just writing it. Here's the script. Here's the script. You want to be united and have the same thinking like God's? Here's how you do it. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, 
value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. And so we know that unity is advanced primarily by how we relate to one another. The unity is oneness of concern and care. It's not simply oneness in thinking and ideas and opinions. That, that's a lot of that temptation is to be unified around those things. We get our identity that way, and we're, we're taking identities that, that God never intended for us to have. He says, no, this is the unity is, yeah, it's about oneness and about care for one another. It's not just about every being united in common thinking and thought. And so he, he addresses that. And so he says it this way. He goes further in writing the script. He says, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature of God. So here's your example. He's saying, here's your example. This is how you live. This is how you think. Don't think like Paul. I want you to don't think like your neighbor. Don't think like your favorite podcaster. Don't think like your favorite author or preacher. Uh, this is the model that you have. You've got one model. Here it is. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in the very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He's God, but he's not using it to save himself. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the nature, the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. He took on the, the nature of a servant and being found... In the appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient till death, even death on a cross. He said, this is, this is how it works. Paul's writing a script. Church, you want to shine? You want to be unified? You want to be the winning team and, and be that, that that's out there saying, like, we're so attractive, the world just can't get over it, and most will reject you. But there will be those that will see that and be stunned and want to know more. And so we make choices based on mission advance and not on our own personal advance. We model often, I know I do, after what makes me feel best or look the best. Don't we do that? I, I might model whatever's going to give immediate glory or satisfaction. I heard this woman, it just stuck with me. She said it very well. Um, she was, it was a group of pastors and she had been a ministry leader for a lot of years. And, and she just said something that stuck with me. And I'm, I'm hoping I'll stick with you. And she said, pastors, um, there, you need to be Sherpas. A Sherpa? Isn't that those guys in Tibet that take climbers up to the, to, up to the Himalayas? And they reach the summit? She went on to explain. If you're, you're going to be and get to the summit, you're going to need a guide. And so when you have these little Tibetan guys, they're 115 pounds soaking wet. Somehow their lungs have ad adapted to the high mountainous region. They've got incredible energy and skill. And, and their job is to, to get would-be climbers that want to conquer the summit to get them up to it. And they bring porters along and they carry the heavy loads for them and they, they run ahead of the climbers and they fix the ropes and make sure they're pure and 
Sherpa and they protect them safely. And the Sherpa has done this many times, so they know the way. The Sherpa knows the way to the top. But when you get to the top, in the article in Climber magazine, what do you see? You see the men climber, fist in the air. We did it. We made it. And the person taking the picture was the little skinny Sherpa. Run, hold it in their stuff. But they lowered it so that they could, they could advance the climber. I think that's it. I want to be a Sherpa. I want to be somebody. You just, you're obscured. It's for the benefit of other people. I, I just want to see you get to the top. Myself, I, I'm, I'm going to do what it takes. Carry the load that it takes. In the end, I'll hold the camera, and if you get the glory, great. That'll be for you. But I just want to be a Sherpa, which is not the same as a Schlepper. You're a Sherpa. It's got purpose, right? Lives are at stake here, and we want to be that. We will shine most when we're unified in thought under one master, under the sanctity and mission. But there's something I, I want to add to that. There are some here, I know I was in this category at one time. Your past is holding you back. Things of your past. You call it brokenness, scars, whatever. For most of us, we just threw it under the rug. But it's manifested itself, and you don't know why you are the way you are. You don't know why you have all of a sudden outbursts of anger, but you do. You don't know why your motives, and you can't control them, are just so impure sometimes. Why your thoughts go the way that they go. You're unconsciously uh, you're being influencing your behavior, your past is carrying with you. And some of those symptoms are you may be in isolation. I wrote down as many as I could. You, you're experiencing, you just can't be around people. It's dangerous for you. Others, you just have this judgmental perfectionism that drives you, and you don't know why. Others are, you're just devoted to people liking you and being pleasing other people. Some of you are driven by lust or greed or just chronic bitterness and a need to be noticed or workaholism or rigidity and self-protection. And a lot of this is because there's just something from your past that hasn't been brought before God and given its place where you can rejoice like the running back or be like Paul and Silas who walked away or rejoice, again I say rejoice, and just haven't been able to get there. And so this morning I'd like to introduce you to three Sherpas. And these women have walked some of this and just taken a short time, we can't cover it all. Um, these three some stuff in their past. And they've had to take it before God, but I, I just want you to hear briefly their stories as they come up. And so I would like to ask Colleen to start making her way up here, and Melanie and Celia. Celia, you've met recently. So, oh, hold your pass. Yeah. And so with this, I... I, I want to say, too, that if you've got, this is the point, if you have young children, um, that this would probably not be appropriate, and you're free to go, no one's going to judge you, and just take your, take your kids out now, and God bless you, and we'll see you next Sunday. Um,
but we want to talk. Thank you. Welcome, all. Yes, that's your couch. You have your own couch. I'm going to take that chair, and Colleen's going to be right here. Welcome, Colleen. Well, I think you all can relate to what I was saying. There are just some things. Good to see you again, Celia. Celia, just a reminder, was up here not too long ago. And um, before that, she was cowered in her home by her own admission in total fear and trembling, not wanting to be out in public. And here she is on the stage for the second time, very much in public. <laughs> Overcame a stronghold in her life. And she shared a little bit about that, and we're just going to go a little bit more today, and I think this is really going to help you for those that may be fitting any of those symptoms, and you're just stuck. You're stuck in your life, and Colleen, thank you. You're facilitating this for us, and we have some help for some people coming up here. I'm, I'm going to give it over to you, and then if I've got questions, I'm, I'll chime in and butt in, but pretty much I'm going I'm to leave it specifically to Celia and Melanie um, to to give us a, a little bit of your story and what the Lord has done for you. It's on. Thank you, Pastor. Now it's on. Um, I, what Pastor asked us to talk about today is a group called Shelter in the Storm. And this is a 15-week Bible study and um, it's designed, it's a Bible study and a support group. And it's designed to give hope and healing for women who have suffered from sexual abuse in their childhood. Um, there are a few things as it, the more time we spend in this group, we see patterns of things that sexual abuse has done. Um, one of the biggest ones is that we see ourselves as dirty as damaged. It just completely changes um, who we think we are. Pastor was talking about identity. And it distorts our view. It's almost like we get this, this really distorted lens over our eyes. So it skews how we see ourselves. It skews how we see um, others, relationships, circumstances, anything that happens, and especially God. Um, it, it damages our ability to trust. So we either trust inappropriately or we don't trust at all. We, become, we can become very isolated. We see ourselves as worthless. And so often we'll sabotage anything that's going well in our lives. There's this just little voice that says we don't deserve it and we'll sabotage it. Um, we often suffer from anxiety and depression because we see the world as a dangerous place that uh, is hurtful. And so going through a shelter group gives us an opportunity to apply God's truth specifically to the, um, the lies we received through the abuse, especially as a child. Uh, it helps us feel less alone by going through the group setting. Um, and it just starts us on the journey from a, a survivor of sexual abuse to an overcomer. 
it's it, it it just changes how everything how we see our lives because the lord heals us and restores how how he purposed our life to be um and I came to facilitating uh, Shelter in the Storm a few years ago. Pastor Mario had asked me to speak to um, a young woman who was suffering from prevalent memories. And I had some experience with women who had suffered from abuse and abortion recovery, because often women who are in abortion recovery will find, have also suffered from sexual abuse. And so, the Lord led me to the study. I asked Celia, what do you think about facilitating this with me? And she was faithful to do it. And I realized going through the study that um, there were events in my own childhood that I didn't recognize. They were just how my childhood was, but how they had warped my own lens, um, how I saw myself, how I responded to things because of how I just how I saw circumstances and other people. And going through the study, it gave us a sense, well, we got to know God, who God is, and gave us a trust in him and restored how we saw ourselves so that, um, it, so that we could understand who we were in him. Again, our identity, it restored our identity. And it also equipped us that as we had that security in God, as we could trust God, as we had that security in him and how he saw us, um, it prepared us even, you know, for following years when we would face other trials, that we could walk with him through those trials. So um, these um, beautiful sisters went through that first study, and it's really about what the Lord did in their lives. Yeah, so. And I want to thank them publicly for the courage to come up here and do this. Um, it's very, it's not, it's unusual. That's why we're taking advantage of this time, and just so you know, we're talking about sexual abuse, but this, these issues translate in so many other ways through other things in your past, and that's why we, we're starting here because we're going to do a study on this, but there's so many other areas and things you've been through, um, parents of, that were addicts or alcoholics, physical abuse, um, abandonment, a lot of other things that you may have suffered in your life that have, have the same outcome unconsciously in behavior that are holding us back from all that the Lord has called us to be and made us to be. So with that, thank you both. Great to see you. I'm going to start if Celia, if you, if you would, please, just a little bit about your story and what were some of the symptoms you carried from your early childhood? You had it. Um, uh, abuse is a tragedy. And uh, one thing that I learned on the group is that I could not change my past. But as I learned looking upon God, I learned that he could... Uh, change my mindset and change the view as I have of myself. Uh, I grew up with feelings of insecurity, uh, feelings of being worthless, impure, damaged. I have multiple episodes of nightmares and panic attack. So that was the symptoms that I have. Wow. 
That's a lot. How did this impact later your relationship? You came to know the Lord and it didn't just all go away. How, how did this impact your view of God? I believe on the lies that God didn't care about me, that he was far away, that he was unfair, and I believe on the lie that he has favorites. Yeah. Wow. Look at Melanie and Joaquin through her story. So for me, as I was thinking about this this week, it was almost like a dark cloud was following me everywhere I went. All of the decisions that I made, all of the people that I surrounded myself with, all the places that I went, I wanted to do good. I wanted to be better. I knew the Lord, but I wasn't able to allow myself to do those things. God couldn't help me do those things because I hadn't faced the lies and the abuse from my past. Wow. So, so how did this impact your relationship with God? I would say that it was shallow. It, could, it got as far as it could, but because I didn't believe the truth that I was a child of the king, I could not accept Christ's love and forgiveness and healing because I didn't believe that it was true about myself. So I, my relationship with God had gotten as far as it could, and it couldn't get any further. It couldn't get deeper. We couldn't go deeper because I had that block there. How, how would you, any of the three of you can answer this, how would you answer the person that's asked you, how could you possibly trust and love a God that would let this happen to you? I'll go. So we live in a very broken world. I think everyone would agree with that statement. For me personally, we've all been through a lot. Everyone has their history, but I personally lived the horror of life without Jesus. And I felt like I barely made it. And once I came to know the Lord and his faithfulness and his love for me and all those around me, it opened my eyes to the truth that God brings us through situations to teach us and to grow us and to lift us up and I could see as hard as it was to see I could see the path that he took me through and as horrible and I don't believe that he allowed those things to happen but we live in a broken world where these things do happen but he was faithful to bring me to the place where I could face them and continue to grow me and allow me to face the next trials that he had in my life very good. Anyone else want to add anything to that? Yeah, I just agree with Melanie. And uh, this is abuse is not God's will. And uh, but God gives free will to men, and men use their free will to do evil things. And we become, as a child, a uh, victim. But God is big enough to restore us. And to give back was stolen for us. That is our childhood innocence. Amen. So would you say that you guys have gone from victim to victorious 
or you're on your way there? Um, one of the biggest impact of this group is to learn that I cannot change my past, but God could change my mindset, and, uh, and uh, he woke us on the road of victory. And uh, we don't see us as a victimization state anymore. We stand up on this state that we are overcomers. Amen. How, Amen. how empowering was it to, to finally tell you? All of you have told your stories to other women. Some of you from the stage here. How, what did that do for you? and being able to put that out there in the confidence of other people. Did that, what kind of impact did that have? When you keep things in darkness, it can hold you back from life. And sharing your story and what it has behind you can not only lift that burden from your shoulders, but it can also help lift the burden from other shoulders. So when we share, it helps others around us to also feel like they can share. And it, Cecilia, Celia talked about the lies. So when you keep that to yourself and you keep it inside, you just continue to fester those lies and you believe them because you're keeping it in darkness. But when you bring that to the light, those lies also come to light and you can see that they're not true. So it not only helps you and your relationship and your feelings, but it also helps bring truth to all those around you. Right, amen. I found that very personally, by the way, empowering some things in my childhood that I've, I've just recently shared. Um, that there was, I agree with you there, there's something about that, that not, it helped me and it helped other people, that the thing of not being alone and that you're not the only one, and this isn't just about you, that because of what Melanie said, there's brokenness in the world, that, that horrible things happen, it's horrible out there. That's why the Lord is so passionate about bringing as many people as possible into his kingdom to help us to escape from that world that we're in, that as Shane quoted last week, John 10, 10, that, you know, he's going he's to kill you, he's going to destroy you, he's going to rob from you. And rob, kill, and destroy. And why do you want part of that? And that was what you were saying, Mel, right? About You just saw how bad it was out there. It, it, it's, good, it's so much better here now, so much better. Is there a particular truth or truths, Celia mentioned one of them, that you received, have received that have helped set you free? maybe more than some others, just some things you talked about your, some of the stuff Celia mentioned. Go ahead, Celia. Yeah. The truth is that uh, healing is possible. The truth is that we can change. As we look upon Jesus, he can renew our minds. And uh, I was blessed of receiving the gift of self-acceptance. And God can restore us. Because he knows how he created us to be. And he brings us back to that state of beginning, to the way that he planned us to be. It is possible. Amen. Amen. Melanie? For me, the biggest impact was, I remember calling, we went around and all said, I am a daughter of the king. 
And those words are more than just words, right? I could say those in my head, but did I accept that in my heart? And I remember the feeling of saying that, and I am truly a daughter of the king. You are truly a child of the king. And there is nothing that could have happened to you. There is nothing that you could have done. There is nothing there that could, you're not too far away that God couldn't get to you. It doesn't matter. There's no but this, but, but anything, wherever, whatever that is, God can still reach you. You're not too far. You're not too far gone. And that was the turning point, I think, for me. Yeah. And it's a real step of faith, isn't it? To be able to say that and hold on to that, that you're his and that he brought you out. And even though this happened, there's still hope. And I, I love that, that there's still hope, that this isn't the end of your life. Where you're at right today is not the end for you. There is more beyond. Colleen, anything you want to add? to? Yeah. Well, I just, um, I was just thinking about just what the enemy intended for great evil. Great evil was done. Um, but God brought each of them through that, each of us, and I've seen such great good in their lives. I've seen such tremendous strength and faith in God in their lives. And, um, you know, it's just, we, we know God's promises. We, we were in the Lord for some years. We know God's promises, but being able to receive God's promises for ourselves, like Celia said, that, that God doesn't play favorites that God's promises are for me, they're for Celia, they're for Mel, and they're for each of us, that his promises are for each of us and that we can really um, just be able to walk through this with the Lord um, so that we can receive that for ourselves and hold on to it. Um, and that's the, the main thing is that I just wanna share that if this happened in your life, you don't have to stay broken, that there is hope, there is healing, and, um, and so God's will for us is for our wholeness, because his will for us is to have a vibrant relationship with him, vibrant, not just kind of, God, I don't know if you're paying attention right now, you know, it's little me broken, dirty, you know, that we can just know that, know that we know that we know that God's will is for us to have intimacy, wholeness, and vibrancy in our relationship. Amen. Very good. Excellent. Thank you. What encouragement. Um, we're we're going to go to prayer now. I want to thank three of you for, for courageously coming up here. We don't have a date for the start of the next group, uh, but Shelter from the Storm will start at some point soon, and we'll let you know if you're, you know, text connect the church phone number, you'll be on the list, and we'll make sure you get notification. The groups are small. Yeah, so you can, yeah, you can, you just saw the care at lighthousecc.org. Uh, it's confidential. You can send it and say, yeah, I've got interest. Put me on the list. There's an interview process. Not everyone, some may just not be ready for that. And you've got to maybe go through some professional help.
help to get there uh, and they want to keep the group small so we just have you on for the next group when you're ready to get to that place but we do want to uh, start now in prayer we have a time afterwards we do believe in the power of God here the lighthouse and we want you to believe as well and this is your step of faith if this is you you've got a past that is marking your present and that maybe is holding you back from the things we're talking about and you want to experience that we're going to encourage you to come forward and to get this process started now and the first step is a step of faith and getting prayer we're going to ask our prayer team to come down at this moment So our pastors down front. You can come forward and you can start this moment. You can, you can start in, in getting position with God to get some help. So that you can start dealing with this cycles in your life. And that God wants to set you free from. And you don't understand why you're there. And now maybe this morning it's rung in your head. I, I think I know that this might be impacting my life today and you want to get set free from that if you're here today and you haven't even started your life with God I just want to introduce you to him um, he really is real and he's a great God and you thought you were here today because a friend brought you or just by accident or you just happen to be watching online and it's not the case God has ordained it for you to come to know him and to be in his family and now you are separated from God our sin separated he's perfect you and I aren't and we're separated by our sin and there's no place for darkness and light to be in the same room and, and so the only way to bridge that is that God had to send himself to earth and he lived a perfect life the life that you and I were meant to live until Adam ruined it for us and we just inherit it's not your fault you inherited this and so God has, has come along and he sent his son to live a perfect life and then when he went to the cross he became sin on our behalf and he took sin upon himself. And then if he says that if you believe in him, confess that he is Lord, that you, that you can be rescued from the darkness of this world and come into his world. And so we want to encourage you to do that today. And let's, one of these prayer folks in praying now, well, I'm going to you all to stand at this moment. We're going to ask you if you want to come forward now, please do. Make this your time. Take this step of faith. Don't, don't hold back your you're wondering if this is for you. Yes, it's for you. That little nudge you got is for you. Just come down and take this to God. Bring it, bring it before him. And I'm going to pray for you now. And then we'll go into worship. Dear God, I thank you. And I ask you, God, for everyone here, everyone listening, everyone watching that has been stung by darkness and brokenness in their past. And is stuck in these cycles that can't get free. That Lord, that, that you, God, will be the divine deliverer. As you delivered us, that you will deliver them. That you will speak yourself to them by your Holy Spirit, your presence. You will give assurance of what you've heard from these three Sherpas here. That there is hope. It doesn't need to stop right here. That Lord, that you will bring victory and healing upon your people as you desire. Father, we give you honor and glory and thanks for what you're going to do and what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our prayer is that this message series is making an impact on your life. Whether joining us online or in person, you are a valued member of our church community. 
And you can stay in the know by texting the word CONNECT to 954-923-8660. This will help keep you up to date on ways to engage and serve both online and in person. Everything we do at Lighthouse is in the context of Jesus' Great Commission, which we've summed up as in, up, and out. We are brought into restored relationship with God. We are now citizens in His kingdom under His authority. We then position ourselves to be raised up to spiritual maturity and to live out our Christian faith outside the walls of the church. This is the way God designed it, both for your protection and for His glory. Feel free to email me at care at lighthousecc.org. May God truly bless you with a greater knowledge and appreciation of Him and His ways.